on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I think a lot of people have these, you know, back of a bar napkin ideas or they want to go start something, want to go do something. And I think my, the, one of the best decisions I ever made was I just quit my job and I went after it. I said, I'm going to give myself 10 months. I have enough money saved up to, to pay my bills and mortgage and what, whatnot for 10 months. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go aggressively into this as hard as I possibly can for at least 10 months. And if I get you know, these set of milestones, this level of traction, I'm going to do another 10 months. But if you have passion and conviction about something, just go and do it. Most people don't do what they want to do because they don't start. And so my advice is just start. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you, too, can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I'm your host. Today, I've got Alex Smurznak. Bro, Smurznak. Say that Nailed 14 it. times. Nailed I appreciate it. you being here, man. Welcome to the King stage. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm excited to dig in, share a story, and, and talk all things laundry and business building. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I've been doing laundry since I was nine. Well, I should say I started when I was nine. I haven't done it since I got married. Thank goodness for my wife. She she owns that lane. Whew, I probably mess up the colors. Anyway, so glad that you're here. And um, you've already kind of hinted at what kind of business that you're in. But let me give you the, the actual opportunity. Tell us what kind of business that you're in. What are you doing over there? Yep. So I uh, I started a tech-enabled laundry and dry cleaning delivery business called 2U Laundry in January of 2016. It's had a tons of you know, ups and downs and pivots and changes along the way. And recently yeah. launched a second brand called uh, Laundra Lab, which is a an elevated laundromat franchise. Think of Chick-fil-A for, for laundromats. We launched that a mm-hmm. year ago and it's just been taken off like, like crazy. Wow. Love it. So um, we've got, I loved how you said tech enabled. I mean, bro, like there's so many archaic businesses like laundry or dry cleaning that, that need help. Um, I, I told you this briefly off air. Um, I don't talk about my business endeavors a whole lot here on the show, but I almost bought a two location dry cleaners. That almost was my first business. And so I got a little snap, a little behind the scenes, you know, <laughs> of, uh, of that world, which is super archaic, man. And so I'm excited to see how you've brought tech to that world. Before we do that, I want to know at this level, you're obviously a young guy, but you've had some success, man. We were talking about, you know, less than 9% of all businesses do a million or more in revenue. That's you. You're crushing what's keeping you at it now? Like you've, you've obtained a certain amount of success, but you're still going, you just launched a new company. Why? What's the bigger picture for you? So I think like I, I, I got asked a lot, like, you know, why entrepreneurship? How did you get into this? And I think part of it has to be some level of, of ego, you know, to do something that you know <laughs> less than 10% or you know, have done or a 90% chance of failure happens. I think part of it, and right. not ego in the sense that like, oh, this arrogant person is more just, this is a challenge. I think I can do this. I must be capable of doing this. I have to go see if I can. Yeah. Um, so that kind of ego, of like I need to prove to myself and go solve this, you know, this hard, challenging problem. And so 
for me, it's been, hey, you hit this one level. It's like a video game. It's like, can I get to the next level? Can I go to the next level? And it's it's more about that than anything. I honestly don't, and you know, our investors would hate hate me saying this, but it's not that I don't care about money or you know, having a, an exit or this massive outcome. I do want all those things. But for me, the drivers ultimately build a huge effing company, right? Like get as big as right. we can get create as many locations as we can get, because along that way, I'm going to learn so much, make so many connections and ultimately you know, profit yeah. and cash flow and all these other things will, you know, will, will come with that. Uh, yeah. But for me, it's just that idea of solving a huge, hard, big, scary, hairy, challenging problem. Yeah. I love that. I loved how you wrapped it up into uh, some gamification, you know, the gamification of going to the next level. And, and you're right. Um, you know, the, the investors are concerned about the, the profit and I'm sure you are as well. That's part of the game. That's that's a chess piece in the game. But man, you mentioned three, four, five other really important chess pieces. Also, relationship building, you know, growth. Like there's all these other things that you kind of just trickled through here that also matter um, if we're if we're playing the game. Has it always been that picture for you of this playing of the game, or was it like you know something different at the beginning or? I think it always is. So I grew up, my dad was a, a financial advisor. And so entrepreneurial in a way where he ate what he killed, you know, 100% sure. commission job. And so getting to see him growing up, working his ass off, you know, fall through spring and then summer golfing most of the time. I was like, how can you do this? All my other friends are, you know, parents are working all the time. And he's like, because right. I, you know, I basically work for myself. And so that I think sparked it. And then in college, I actually ended up working for another laundry and dry cleaning delivery business that was a student startup. And Initially, it was just like a way to make extra you know, cash freshman year. And then I fell yeah. in love with it. I thought, hey, this could work at Duke, Chapel Hill, Vanderbilt, um, et cetera. And so I wanted right. to buy it. And the reason I wanted to buy it was very similar to how I you know, answered the initial question was, if I buy this business, I'm going to get to learn more than probably any class I'm taking at Wake Forest right now. I'll get to take what I'm learning in that theoretical you know, bubble yep. of a classroom and put yep. it into this real life practical space. And and I don't know what it was at 19 that triggered that. And maybe it was just yeah. seeing what they were all learning. But I was like, wow, they're actually like running their financials, their marketing, they're having to hire, fire, manage people. I was like, I actually want to get hands-on experience doing that instead of talking about it for an hour and a half in a classroom. Right. Yeah. So did you finish at Wake Forest? <laughs> so I did. I finished at Wake okay. Forest. I ended up buying that business um, with two other partners. So that was my okay. first you know, how did you get into laundry in the first place? Uh, yeah. You know, was that college laundry business? And we had a absolute blast running it. It was exactly what I thought, you know, it was more than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, we were negotiating contracts with the university at 19 years old. And so just like, getting to go have to prepare for that and learn that was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what, a, what a springboard, really, like a fast track into, you know, all the possibilities of what, what you can do in business, you know, from a young age. Would you would you say looking back at your degree because obviously there's a lot of entrepreneurs that aren't maybe formally educated um, <clears throat> do you do you look back now and and thankful for that like the actual education or is it more of like yeah it was time spent I learned a couple of things but really it was that college business that that gave me what I was looking for or is it a mix of both it's it's definitely a mix of both I I was I grew up in a, a really small town in in uh, Minnesota called Red okay. Wing. And thankfully had parents that, you know, my, my dad did well for himself. And so I wasn't having to worry about, you know, taking out a ton of debt and things like that. And so from that perspective, absolutely was, you know, would do it the same way, learned a ton from classroom, you know, the classroom, but also got hands-on. 
if I had been purely on my own, though, and, you know, had the choice between take out a bunch of debt, go to a formal education you know, institution or go start a business, I would encourage most people to, to start a business and then self-educate online podcasts, YouTube videos, right. uh, whatever it may be. And so I guess the answer is, you know, mix of both. And it depends on you know, the background and situation you're in. I meet yeah. a ton of really promising entrepreneurs that are in high school and you know, really young. And depending on you know, their level of curiosity, willingness to learn, willingness to self-educate, I tell a lot of them, I was like, look, if I were you, I wouldn't go to college. Yeah. Because yeah. they have that, they, they have that, like, it's different than a, it's similar to a competitive sport. Like, like when you see like a LeBron or someone coming up, it's like, they have just raw talent. There's something similar, I think, for like raw talent in business and entrepreneurship. Yeah. And when I, when I see that, I'm like, skip college, go right to the pros, go start a business. And yeah, you, you, they're yeah. totally capable of doing it. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And I, th- I think that you're right. I think that, you know, the listener, whether they're 18 or, or 48, it doesn't really matter. Um, the, a large percentage of them, I bet are, are not formally educated, but the, but the encouragement that you just gave is, Hey, look, like, yeah, I'm using some of it, but it's probably nothing that I couldn't have learned in a business or on my own. And so the, 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 the takeaway there for the listener is simply whatever you think that you don't know, go figure it out, go find it. There's a YouTube video, there's a course, there's a mastermind group, there's a podcast that you can listen to. There's something somewhere that can help you untangle this little issue that you've got inside your business or even your where you are um, stage-wise as far as your entrepreneurial journey. The, yeah, the thing I'll tell a lot of people is like college, more than anything, teaches an individual how to learn. It, it's right. you're learning, You're learning how to learn. And so if you're able to do that somewhere else, save, save yourself a hundred K or whatever, whatever it would end up being and, you know, teach yourself to learn other ways. Yeah, exactly. One, one quick off the, off the map point here, Red Wing, Minnesota, huh? Yep. So you'll have to go back in the episodes. I interviewed Adam White, who is the CEO of Red Wing Construction in Red Wing, Minnesota. It's all commercial. Yeah, dude. Like you said, small town Red Wing. I'm like, wait a second. I'm pretty sure I, I was like going through the Rolodex. It was like, I don't know. 60, 70 podcasts ago, but yeah, check him out. He's, uh, you probably know what? him, man. <laughs> no. So this town is like 15,000 people. That is crazy. Wow. You probably know him, man. Um, and, and he's a great White. guy and, uh, I could text him right now. I'll text him, tell him that, you know, <laughs> you said Al- Adam White, Adam White. Yeah. Red wing construction. You have to take a look and see if you know him anyway. Oh, so while you're looking okay. that up, um, I want to know, practically speaking, um, you kind of gave us the story of like how it got started. And kind of how you got into the industry. Um, Do you think that starting a business was like always in your blood and your genes? Like you were going to do that, or was there a moment in time where you're like, "Okay, I'm made for this"? I so I think the the small spark was again seeing my you know my dad growing up. That was always interesting. Of like, and he he had this saying of like, you can either work for someone else, you can work for yourself, or you can have people working for you. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know everyone has different preferences and what they want to do is like, but ultimately if you can get to that second or third, you know, uh, position where either you're working for yourself or someone else, you're likely right. going to have way more freedom, flexibility. And if that's important to you, you'll probably have a happier life, more fulfilling life, et cetera. So that always stuck with me. Yeah. Um, and then college, when I ran that, that laundry business, that really like yeah, solidified, solidified it. it was like seeing how much I was evolving and learning past my peers that I thought were incredibly, you know, some of the smartest people in the country. Right. I felt like at, you know, at Wake, they're doing really well in these really complicated finance classes and they're, they're crushing it there. But then I saw myself getting this like real, real world practical experience. And I just felt like yeah. I was evolving and learning at a much faster pace because it wasn't constrained by the classroom. 
Yeah, I love that. All right, well, let's keep the let's keep the practical talk rolling here. I want to know maybe maybe it was in that college business, maybe it was in the first couple of the years in your in your tech business now. Um, but I want to know of a practical good decision that you made that you can share with the audience. They're taking notes. They're going to go implement this thing in their business today. What is it? It's practical, but also risky. But I would say I think a lot of people have these, you know, back of a bar napkin ideas or they want to go start something, want to go do something. And I think my, the, one of the best decisions I ever made was I just quit my job and I went after it. I said, I'm going to give myself 10 months. I have enough money saved up to to pay my bills and mortgage and what, whatnot for 10 months. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go aggressively into this as hard as I possibly can for at least 10 months. And if I get you know these set of milestones, this level of traction, I'm going to do another 10 months. And then and so I guess simple, maybe, uh, you know, uh, kind of cliche advice, but just go do it, quit your job, go start something. Yeah. There's a few things I guess you could do before that. Do some of the research, work at night, work on weekends. Sure, but if you have sure. passion and conviction about something, just go and do it. Most people don't do what they want to do because they don't start. And so my advice is just start. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> it's profound. Cause even after you start, you have to go all in over and over and over again. And so even for the guy that has already left his job. He's already quote unquote gone, you know, gone all in and 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 he's betting on himself. And maybe he's at that nine month mark, you know, in this example that you give in your runway. And he's got one more month and he's got to go all in, man, because I only got 30 days or I got to figure out something different. And so there's these continual moments as an entrepreneur that we have where we have to re-up, we have to rebet on ourselves, rebet on circumstances, go all in, whatever you want to call it. Um Obviously, I'm sure that's that's rang true to you, but what's coming to your mind as far as something that's happened in your journey where you've had to go all in again? Oh my, I mean, that that like, let's say that 10 month example, like three months in, it was like, what are we doing? I don't know if we should be doing this. Like me and my co-founder- Question, I, doubts, all of that? All the time. I mean, I shit you not, we would probably every other week be grown adults crying. Like why? <laughs> we we're not making any money. We got we had five guys living on a in a three bedroom apartment. So it was my my bed, my co-founder's mattress on the floor next to mine. I mean, we were very much like save as much money as we can. We drove Uber in the morning so that we could not eat into our savings too much. And then during those Uber rides, we would convince customers to sign up. So like, why are you driving for Uber? Oh, we started this laundry and dry cleaning thing. Here's a business card and twenty dollars uh, off. The first you were order. prospecting. <laughs> so, so we're like and that's so like my point, I guess, is like every four months, it was like, we didn't, do we have enough traction? Should we quit? And it was like, no, hey, we said 10 months, we said 10 months, and we, yeah. then we just kept hitting these milestones. And the last seven years, we've had zigs and zags and all sorts of other instances where we had to persevere. And so I think it's also yeah. being open to changing course too. And, and again, reminding yourself that you're capable and, um, yeah. You, know, you don't have this this fool's journey where like you're doing the same thing repeatedly and expecting different results. But right. if you believe in yourself. I think it's okay to pivot. To, you know, take new information, adapt to it, and persevere. Ultimately, is the I think most important thing. Yeah, hundred um, percent. In in one of the talks um, I'm gonna <clears throat> that I'm preparing for, um, it, it's about persistence, really, and that's in essence what you're talking about. It's not only just identifying the target. In this case, it was ten months. It's the ability to hold on to that through the difficulty um, and, and to keep reminding yourself of the 10 months. And, and that for you, it was like a snapshot in time. It wasn't necessarily like a revenue target or whatever, but it was like, okay, if I can just make it to here, right? And, you know, there's people that talk about this, um, 
you know, in like hiking or hunting or, you know, races like running. <clears throat> so if I, if I can just make it, if I can just make it over there, um, if I can just make it around the corner, if I can just make it to that bend right there, if I can just make it to that, that little spot, I'll, 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 I'll reassess. <laughs> and what that does is it gives us, it gives us false hope. Let, let's just be honest. We're just psyching ourselves out, but in a good way, it's like, look, you said you were going to climb the mountain. You said you were going to go 10 months. So why are you questioning? Why are you doubting? It's like, man, this stuff comes and it comes fast and hard because it's tough. Any, any like whispers of knowledge in those moments that kept you focused on the 10 months in this regard? Like, how did you hold to the line, the persistence of this sucks, but we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. So I think and this is not just unique to my story. And I think it would be harder for me had I not had a business partner, but having that co-founder, sure. you know, when I'm down, he's pulling me back up When he's down, I'm pulling him back up. And so I mean, we eventually got into uh, this program called Techstars. It's a, an accelerator. It's like there's three of them, Y Combinator, 500 startups and Techstars. It's like getting your MBA at Harvard or Stanford. They only accept, I think it's a quarter of a percent of, app, of companies that apply. Wow. We got into one of them. And the reason I'm sharing that is they have, you know, it's not a hard and fast rule for them, but they won't let companies in that don't have co-founders because they know just how important it is to have that person for this these exact moments when one of them feels like quitting the other one's like no this is our dream we're capable you're capable you got this we got this yeah. and you have this like almost like a, having a spouse you know someone to pick you back up when you're you know when you're down and be there for those things yeah um, and so I, i'd say without my co-founder dan i wouldn't have i don't know if i would have been able to make it through those first few years because it is just so challenging and so that's that's my advice for folks you know think about going out is like find a really good co-founder find a partner find someone that you can go through this incredibly challenging daunting journey with together yeah. and then on the flip side, if you are, are alone doing it, I think it's still possible. I've met a lot of great founders that have done it on their own. Sure. Um, I just have less you know, direct advice on exactly how to handle that. You got to find a way to cope and persevere, and whether that's a mastermind <laughs> group or other founders, exactly. you, you need someone you know, telling you, quit, you know, quit thinking about that, you know, about yourself that way, and you're capable yeah. and get after it. You promise yourself 10 months, go do it. Yeah. You know, it's funny because especially as, as male entrepreneurs, I'm sure that it resonates true to, to females as well. I'm just not female. So I can only speak for my experience. And that is, you know, we have this innate ability to go, oh, I just, I'll, I'll take care of it. Like I'll, I'll handle it. It's okay. Like even in those moments where like, where we want to quit and we're like, maybe I should reach out. Maybe I should get a co-founder. Maybe I should join a mastermind group. Maybe I should ask for help. And we go, no, 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 I'll just, I'll, I don't want to bother anybody. I'll, I'll just take care of it. And, and so then what we do is we silo ourselves, which sounds soft, Right. Like, oh, I, I need I need I need somebody. I need to sing Kumbaya. I need to be encouraged and uplifted and I need camaraderie and all those things. And people are like. You know, even when I talk to them about, uh, you know, people who are inquiring about uh, gathering the king's mastermind, it's like, you know, what what is the result of getting around other people? Well, there's some practicals and tangibles. There's some growth in the business. There's some growth in mindset. There's, you know, leveraging a team and, and how to do those things, how to hire better. Like we can go through practical things. Right. But a lot of the intangible is what, what you're talking about. It's like, man, in those moments where your co-founder like pulled you back up and said, hey, bro, not today. We're not quitting today. We could try again tomorrow if you want to. But today, I'm not letting it happen. And so um, it, it sometimes, a lot of times, because most people don't have a co-founder, if you don't have that person, that guy, that board of directors, that something that's kind of sticking you to it, man, it's so easy. Even when we're working out, I got a guy that comes to my house and works out. He's one of my partners. We talk business 530 in the morning and work out. 
if that dude didn't show up at 530, there'd be some days where I wasn't downstairs working out. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? You're accountable. You got to put yourself in a place to win, right? 100%. Sometimes those are hard decisions to make because it feels like, you know, you're signing up for something or you're sharing something. I mean, you're sharing equity with that dude, you know? That's wealth, potentially. That's hundreds Mm -hmm. of thousands, if not millions, if not hundreds of millions one day, maybe when you sell. Mm -hmm. You're giving away that guy. Oh, my goodness. But but the exchange for it is you freaking got there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? 100%. Like, I don't think I would be able to, uh, again, like get that far, that big. And it's this idea of a, a, a smaller piece of a much, much larger pie because this is a, you know, it's going to be a five to 10 year journey. And who wants to go on a 10 year journey alone? And, you know, you got, you know it's, it's just like part of it's enjoying that whole process too. And, and I think a mistake people make with co-founders too is they find the, the person that's like, most convenient it's someone that you met at the gym it's someone you met at work it's someone but in reality what people need to be looking for is a a co-founder that has a completely different point of view a different skill set than you someone that rounds you out compliments you like i'm finance operations through and through and my business partner is marketing and sales and so it's just two completely different skill sets but both animals both really hungry to to get to that next thing so we're on the same page there on the same page as far as complementary skill sets and then i've happened to know this individual since sixth grade so deep trust right recipe to just you know get after it and hold each other accountable made sense all right well let's flip the script here what about a bad decision that you guys have made that just you know we can learn from yeah so i think early on the first one that came to mind is we, uh, so we had raised some outside money, you know, 10 months in, um, you know, really glad that we raised the money, but then we raised the money and thought, let's go hire, uh, you know, this 250 K a year marketing person to come in and like really supercharge the business. And right. you know, we thought that this one person would be a silver bullet and it was the, way too much firepower way too soon we weren't big enough yeah we didn't that, that person needed a team of like six seven other marketers underneath them to be effective and yeah. you know, she was expected to be like a lebron like a player coach and mm-hmm. really she was just like a really good coach um and and so hiring the wrong people uh for the wrong or the right people at the wrong time yeah um, is a big one. I think people are so important. They can unlock so much for you, but you have to be thoughtful about like, what do we really need today? What do we need in a year? What do we need in three years? And what am I, what exactly am I hiring for now? And ultimately understanding that no one's going to solve your problems for you. Even this hire, you have to still, they're still your problems and you still need to be thoughtful about them. And so big mistake we made was just hiring again, the, the right person at the wrong time. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I've had a lot of people mention hiring, hiring the wrong person. Um, and and usually it's, look, don't waste your time with C, D, E, F players. Just go for A players. And and in essence, that's, that's the advice that you took and you went and got yourself an A player. <laughs> but I just love the, the, the strategy behind the timeline and, and where you were, what the growth of the business was, because it was a huge stretch to bring in that quote unquote a player. And even though, like you said, she was the right person, wrong time, which makes her the wrong person. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's, it's the wrong person for that seat, that seat specifically right now. Didn't, di- it didn't line up with what her skill sets were. 
And so um, I think it's the same takeaway for the for the listener of making sure you're paying attention, you understand what the seed is, and you're filling it with the with the right person. But man, to go the opposite, you can actually over overdo it yes. the other way, which is really yeah, expensive. We, <laughs> yeah, and we and like you, there's all these schools of thoughts of like slow to hire, quick to fire, quick to hire, quick to fire, and and you know yeah. figuring out where you are there. And I think we did you know startups especially, especially if you're going like we're we're really going for this. You know, let's build a national brand in the category and not have it take 35, 40 years. We want to go after this, raise money build a team, get there faster. Um, and so you're, when you're raising money like that and you're burning cash up front, you know, to get to that size, you're investing in growth, the team technology. Um, you have to, you have to be quick on realizing and saying, Hey, I was wrong. We made the wrong decision. We need to back out of this before, you know, we lose anything, anything more or anymore. waste more time because the time and the cash is so critically important, especially those yeah. early days. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of talking about, you know, a principle of sunk costs. Do you want to talk about that for a second? I'm sure you guys talk about this in your, in your, your business all the time. If you're raising cash, what do you yeah. think about that? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I think whether it's people, uh, you know, machinery or whatever it may be at, at some point you, you spend the money and it's, it's, it's there, but if there's trying to create optionality is a, a theme that we all really obsessively live by in, in our, okay. in our organization is, all right, if we're going to make, let's make big bets, let's make big decisions, but let's create options at the same time. And so for this person, for example, at 250K a year, how long do we have to give this person to understand if it's the right person, the right time, all this stuff. And, yeah. you know, okay, three, three months with maybe a three month option. And so then we look at it as, okay, six months all in, you know, it's really 125K investment instead of 250. Because if it's exactly. working at 100 at, in six months, that 125K was well worth it. If it no, wasn't, yeah. was this like 125K consulting, you know, project? And we still probably learned a ton, learned process, strategy yep. from this person for six months. And would we be, is that six month 125K contract worth it? And so we try to right. change the point of view on it. And again, the optionality to, to get in and out of things quickly if need be. Yeah, that that perspective of breaking it down over the course of how long you're going to invest in that person. Um, I heard this several years ago, but it's so big, I think, for the stage of business that the listeners in because they've got maybe one or two people, they're terrified to hire the next person or the the admin assistant or the the CPA or just some fairly basic moves, but they're terrified because of this exact reason right here, they're thinking it's an $80,000 position or a $150,000 salesperson or whatever. It's like, well, actually, if you break it down, that salesperson, well, first off, they should be largely commissioned and they're going to pay for themselves. And you're going to figure out pretty quickly if, if they, you know, so, so take the bet on a small, on a small base for eight weeks or 12 weeks, like you said, and the worst case scenario is X, not necessarily the whole entire year, um, you know, projected out. So that's super good. Anything else you want to add there? The only other thing is we've gotten to a point too where we, we we learned through that experience and a few others is that there's all these clever alternatives. And it's like what we talked about teaching yourself. There's YouTube, there's podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. But for hiring, there's now all of it. I mean, there's Upwork, there's Right Side Up is this other one that's it's really good marketing talent from folks that came from like Instacart, Uber, like hyper growth. Interesting. In incredible companies that have, you know, have hacked consumer behavior and how to reach people at the right time and the right place with the right messaging. And you can yeah. go get them on right side up on a contract basis. It's quick. It's done. You can write a statement of work and don't have yeah. to go through the hiring process. Don't have to be tied down to you know full blown W2. And so we've realized 
there are so many scrappy ways to get the same outcome that you were looking for without having to do what you traditionally think is the right way to do something. Yeah. For example, like we uh, like billing, for example, you'd think, all right, we need to have you know, it's, it's billing. It's really important to us. It's uh, it's money in and out. Yeah. But we we put controls in place and we hired someone in the Philippines for four dollars an hour to do all of our billing. It costs us you know hundred dollars a month versus a full blown yeah. ARAP role sent you know here on staff in the United States. It's, yeah. just, it's cr- like that is a thousand x unlock on what we would have paid someone versus and it works and we have the yeah. controls in place to make sure that there's no shady stuff happening. Yep. And so we know it's working in the way it's supposed to, but at uh, again a, a thousandth of the cost that it would be here. Yeah, the, the the controls piece that you have figured out is what everyone else thinks about when you say, "Oh my gosh, you've got someone from another country running your billing." And and the small guy just who's doing it late at night at 11 p.m. sending out the invoices, he's like mind blown going, "I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what did you just tell me?" And and the cool part actually is what of what you just said is that four dollars an hour to that person over there, they're they're be able to take care of their family, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so any any I I, I want to linger on this for a quick minute. Whether it's the actual controls that you have in place there, or just maybe the mindset of process around that, what can we give to the listener right now around um, around that specifically? Because they're thinking, okay, if I can do that, or if I can delegate or what how do i form controls what did you do with that scenario something like that yeah so whether it was the billing example or even like research like we've looked at hey where can we reach a lot more of our our customers we really scope out what is the problem that we're trying to solve and yeah. then we you know we make sure we intimately understand the problem and then we go start solutioning versus being like okay uh, there's billing I, I have to go hire someone right away or oh, there's this data i'm just going to go do it right now it's instead of this like really reactive it's a lot sure. more Hey, what is the problem? What are we really trying to get to? And what's the most efficient way Good. to get there? And and so we'll we'll write those statement of works. And then I start challenging myself. And I think all business owners should do this for people that want to get into businesses. What is my time worth on an hourly basis? And you're probably going to underestimate it. Most people are like, oh, maybe like 50 bucks an hour. So it's, no, your time is probably worth like 500 to a thousand dollars an hour. So anytime I find myself doing something that feels like I could go find someone doing it for less than that. I yeah. you know slap myself on the wrist. I don't actually do that, but you know, I, you know, give my give myself a wake up call. And yeah, Alex, you're you are wasting your company's time right now in a way that you are not as utilized as you should be. Go yeah. use Upwork. Go find a contracted role. Go find it whatever so that yeah. you can maximize your time and, and maximize theirs. Yeah, because in those moments, as entrepreneurs, especially doers like you, like me, like the listener, um, we feel that going to Upwork and giving it to somebody else is like a little bit cheating, like, uh, then I'm not working as hard. And then so it's almost like about ourselves. It's actually like a selfish, selfish, like a worth thing. I'm going to do this little task because I want to feel like worth something. I want to, I want to, I want to feel productive. I want to feel busy. Um, but it's not until you have that perspective of, okay, like literally, am I stealing time from my family? Because that's what it was for me for years. It's like, here I am talking about my family here. I am saying I'm building it for my family, but I'm also doing this little bitty task that someone else could could do for me and I could be with them right now. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, it's both too. It's like stealing time from your family, personal life, et cetera. But at the same time, let's say you are dedicated to, all right, I got 60 hours of, of, of work a week in me or right. whatever the, the thing is for you. You got family time right. figured out. You got that 60 hours. You're like, I got this 60 hours. Now it's what am I going to do within that 60 hours to be the absolute best leader, best business yep. owner, best founder that I can be. 
And if five or 10 of those hours a week is dedicated to something that someone can do for $10 an hour, you are not being the best founder, business owner, et cetera. That $10 an hour repetitive task should be outsourced so that those other 10 hours is, been, is spent on some major you know, initiative that you're trying to solve for. Is it yeah. launching new, opening new stores, a new line of business, right. uh, starting a whole new concept, whatever it is, uh, yeah. your time is better spent thinking and working on that than it is this repetitive task that someone, you could outsource to someone else. Yeah, exactly. Good stuff. Um, I'm going to switch over to the speed round here, Anya. Um, I want to know inside, you got a couple different um, brands here, if you will, or, or companies, but I want to know what's the most important KPI, the one that you track forever and ever, if you could just pick the one. Yep. So across the two businesses, and just to share some concept, context so this makes sense, to you, again, purely pickup and delivery laundry. Uh, we service dual income household with kids, for the most part, busy families. Um, on the Laundry Lab side, it's a, again, a franchise laundromat business. We've sold 99 licenses across the country in just 18 months. People love it. A ton of people are signing up for it. But ultimately, both businesses need each other. We use our laundromats and our, our franchisees stores to bring the 2U volume to to clean. So we bring them another three to 500K a year in revenue in pickup and delivery that they wouldn't have otherwise. We manage, the, we manage the trucks, we manage the acquisition on the 2U side, the drivers, all of that. All of our franchisees need to do is run a, a regular just, laundromat. Just clean them. Clean the clothes when, when the 2U volume gets there. And so I share all that as, hey, what's the most important metric to both? And, yeah. and for us, it's available washer and dryer capacity. So we're looking at how many washers and dryers do we have available? Because it's it means Laundry Lab is growing and we're creating more and more you know, capacity there. And we're indifferent wow. if that's an existing store that we buy and convert, we build corporate stores, or if it's franchise locations, right. it allows us to be indifferent about that. And the solution on the 2U side, 2U is getting what it needs to fill those washers and dryers and, and clean them. So it's been that North Star metric for us that you know, straddles both businesses. Yeah, I love it. I love how unique it is too. Um, it's not It's not necessarily associated to growth, although you get there from there. It's not necessarily associated to a revenue or a margin number PL, but I bet you you could reverse back that down from your available washing machine a capacity, which is such a unique uh, number. But um, I love how dialed in it is. That's that's probably the thing I want the listener to take away is that you knew, you knew the answer. Didn't have to think about it. It's not just a general profit, which of course, I mean, you already said it earlier. Your investors are like, hey man, we gotta make money. <laughs> but how you make money or the or the the, the really the ticker that you're paying attention to is something that you're super dialed in on. I think that that's applicable for the listener, whether they're a $600 or $600,000, you know, hardwood floor company, or they're a $300,000 insurance agent or whatever it is, they have to, they've got to dial in on that, on that metric um, to really move the needle. I love how you said North star. You want to add anything to that? Yeah. So I, I think, and we have a, a you know, subsets of, of KPIs, key performance sure. indicators that we're looking at as well. But the North Star is that one that, especially as you build out a team and you want them you know, bought in as well and on the same page is what's the, if we're prioritizing, prioritizing our decisions, what's the, you know, the metrics that, that's leading us the way? What's our North Star? And so that for us is when we are you know, making solutions, it would be easy for someone to say, hey, franchisees are the most important thing. And then you might have another person on the team saying, well, no, our two laundry customers are the most important thing. And so now there's conflict and it's easy to point back and say, hey, at the end of the day, we need to grow washer and dryer capacity, which means we're, you know, and our franchisees are part of that or not. In some cases they are, in some cases they aren't. And that's okay. As long as, you know, as long as we are doing the, 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 the I guess the best for the most amount of people, we're not going to please every single person every time. And there's going to be decisions that get made where 
it it, yeah. it doesn't serve us up you know serve everyone but we you know, try to find the way that do that and the, the north star metric is that yeah i love that what book would you recommend alex uh for a business owner trying to scale um so zero to one uh i i like a lot it's uh peter thiel uh it's actually yeah. cool how the book came out to be he was lecturing at a uh i think it was a stanford you know class it was like a guest lecturer and one of the kids just took crazy amounts of notes and organized them and sent them to to Peter Thiel. And he was like, this is incredible. We could probably turn this into a book. You, you really like, and that's what they did. So him and the student that was just listening to that class, turned it into a book. Right, a book. I, I think it's, it, it's exactly as the title is, is zero to one. It's from getting, you know, having the idea to getting it to a million in revenue or that first yeah. big mile, you know, becoming yeah. A, an ongoing concern, an entity that, that, you know, that made it. Um, and so I, I think it's like a good, good guidebook guidebook for nothing to, to something. Yeah. I love that. Well, cause the, the uh, inertia that's needed from zero to one is just so much different than one to two or one to 10 even, um, which I think that we can all relate to, but sometimes the listener in the stage of their business, that feels like that, that grind between zero and one takes forever. We have to go back to the persistence um, principle that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned um, just this idea of having a co-founder um, earlier and kind of the benefits of that. I'm going to spin the question on you here a little bit. I want to know about what you think about um, networking with other entrepreneurs or even masterminding like we were talking about earlier. So I I think it's critical. Like I do it all the time. Um, if you look at my calendar, it's full of stuff you know, every day for work, for business, but then I'm always having early, early morning coffees or later at night. And I don't yeah. have kids yet. And so this might change over time, but every day after work, like work continues on to go talk to yeah. and sharpen my mind, my brain, my network to other founders. One, it's therapeutic for me. It's like, Hey, I'm not the only one going through these things. Cause it's easy to feel like you're on an Island as a business owner, a founder, totally. a CEO. Um, so it's therapeutic. And that way we talked about being vulnerable. It, it that's like a, a second muscle to me now. It's like, I'm fine being like, Hey, I, I messed up here. I'm feeling pretty scared about this. Have you seen this before? And like realizing that it's okay to feel that way is half the battle. And then yeah, the next iterate, next level of that is now you're talking to people that have faced the exact same thing and boom, you've got six ways to solve your, your, your most challenging problem now from six people that have faced it and have done it themselves. Yeah. So I think yeah, it's, it's absolutely critical. You, you referenced it as a muscle. Is it, was it not always like that um, when you were getting coffees? And I mean, you said operations, I, I'm assuming maybe a little bit more introverted if, if sales and marketing isn't necessarily your strong suit. And so talk to the introverts out there and say, how, how do I, how do I network in mastermind? How do I get vulnerable? Yes. I, I when I say muscle, I, I, you, you gotta, you gotta work it out and it's not going to be strong out of the gate and it's going to feel uncomfortable. And like, maybe this isn't for me and maybe I can't do this. And it's so cliche at public speaking was the same thing for me. And they're like, Oh, well, just the more you do it, the more repetition, the more natural it's going to be and more comfortable you're going to get. And I was like, me, no, never. I can never get comfortable (laughs) doing that. And sure enough, that cliche advice works and it's true. And so the advice I had is, you know, reach out thoughtfully, find someone that you, you admire that you, even if you're an introvert and you're looking at these things, like, wow, I really like this person. This resonated with me. Yeah reach out to him, reach out thoughtfully. Hey, I listened to your thing. It really resonated with me here, here, and here. I would love to talk to you more and you're going to go and do it. And you're, maybe there's not this here perfect agenda, but you don't have to, as long as I guess there's like one or two things and you let that person know 
they're going to be glad to take their time because they at some point went through the same thing you're going through and they want to help. I meet with younger entrepreneurs all the time because people did it with me and I enjoyed it. I actually am learning myself talking as well doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the value that you get from giving um, in those moments. Um, last piece to encourage the listener here on this, on this maybe introverted uh, level is that um, on the culture index, which is what I use or whatever assessments that we want to talk about, I'm an introvert. And people are, you know, I've been in sales for 20 years. I've led sales teams. I've had my, you know, started 10 of my own companies. I have a podcast where we've done, we have three shows. We've recorded over 220 episodes. How in the <laughs> world is this guy an introvert? I go, I'm telling you the truth. Go sit out on a tree stand. Whew, makes me feel so much better. <laughs> but we learn the value is what you're saying. We learn the value of relationship. We learn the value of even just reaching out. And, um, and then what that does is you'll start getting a little bit of result. You'll start getting the feedback from that guy who you're really nervous to talk to. And, um, and he, he helped, he was, he was actually pretty warm about it and had lunch with you or got on a zoom call or whatever. And you're like, oh man, like that wasn't so bad, which then encourages you to keep doing it. Now it's a learned thing for me. It's a learned thing probably for you as well. Yep. And we just got to do it. It doesn't mean that when I walk into the room, even at some of my own events where I'm not beforehand going, Ah. <laughs> but you just do it. You just do it because I know the value at this point. Yep. hundred percent. All right. One last question here for you, Alex. I want to know if you could whisper in the younger Alex ear, what would you say? <laughs> this one's so applicable to just our story specifically. So I'll, I'll give two, but it would be franchise earlier, franchise sooner. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I know that's not applicable to everyone listening, but that was just we pivoted so many times throughout our journey. It was purely corporate owned. And then at yeah, first we were leveraging other existing laundromat owners sure. stores. And then we realized those owners aren't really you know operators at the purest form. They don't manage a ton of people tech. So we started bringing our own staff into their stores and then we built our own stores. And then it was like, all right, we need 100 of these stores. How do we build them? <laughs> all right. Franchising. And so just so yeah. much time and iteration, which I think is part of the journey and we had to go through it. But if I had yeah. the crystal ball, it would have been, you're going to end up franchising in five years. Go ahead and just do it. <laughs> just <now."> do it. <laughs> um, and then I think a, you know, another piece of advice that I wish I would have told myself earlier is there's a book called, I know we talked about zero to one, but it's called the, the who it's a, it's about the a method of hiring. You talk about getting a plus players that completely changed my point of view on people, how to find them, how to hire them. What's the right way to identify talent. Cause I think most companies succeed or fail on the people building them. I mean, it's people are so important in HR and human resources get such like a bad rep. I think it's the most cr critical function of the business is attracting, retaining and finding the absolute best talent. I have seen one individual completely change our trajectory. And I've seen wow. one individual also just suck the life out of our culture and, you know, become cancerous. Yeah. And it's, that's the power that one human being could have in your organization. So now imagine you're going to 20 employees, 50, a hundred, right. you need as the, as the business owner to be obsessed about your people. And I think, again, for some, that's really uncomfortable to do, whether they're introverted or they're just like, ah, oh, it's oh, people, you know, my team's on my back again. And they're right. Instead of looking at them as their most valuable asset. And so the, the who they method, I would say, Hey, read earlier and become an expert at, at hiring and, you know, retaining talent. So incredible. Um, you've given from your story. Um, you guys have accomplished a lot in a short amount of time. Um, and, and thank you for sharing all that. How can the listener find you, whether they're maybe interested in 
franchising a location with you, or maybe they're in one of the cities that you're servicing and they need their laundry picked up. How can they find you? Or maybe they want to pick your brain over coffee. How can they? Find yeah, you? all the above. I'm happy to help folks and, and spend time, um, you know, networking, connecting with people. My email is Alex, A-L-E-X at 2ulaundry.com. That's the number two, the letter U and then laundry.com. Um, you can look me up on LinkedIn or, or uh, Instagram or wherever else as well. Uh, but feel free to shoot me an email. And then we are at 99 franchise licenses sold. So if anyone's listening and wants to be lucky number 100, uh, oh. again, we're growing like crazy. Uh, feel free to reach out. Love it. Love it, man. Well, you've been, uh, again, just incredible. Thank you for sharing uh, your your uh, wisdom and knowledge. We wish you nothing but blessing and success on your team, your co-founder, uh, your businesses. Uh, thank you for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.